Yes, the six o'clock squirrel. We've got a proud woke-free record dating back to September 2021 when we first drove it out of the showroom, stepped our foot on the gas, leaving a cloud of sweet-tasting carbon monoxide in our wake. Monoxide now? Monoxide, yeah. <laughs> three, three careful owners. This much-loved vehicle would be snatched up in seconds if we put it on carsales.com, but we're not going to do so. Instead, let's get this beast on the road. Gentlemen, strap on your safety belts. Let me welcome on my left, leaning out of the window with a durry in his hand. The best beard you're ever likely to see outside a ZZT, ZZZZ, ZZ top concert. <laughs> and a pair of eyeballs that I'm reliably told belong to Tim Blair. And on the back seat, shouting in unsolicited instructions into my ear, is our backseat driver and navigator, Simon Collins. Welcome, gentlemen. I'm here on the Central Coast with Tim in person, in these uh, surrounded by these palatial uh, ornaments and uh, alcatraves. And oh, what a beautiful place it is here at the Blair Compound. Some of the servants are blocking the view. I've, I've, just, I've, just, I've just given them the signal to move aside. They're very obedient. Uh, yes, uh, much to talk about. Simon, um, Simon I'm going to uh, bring up, do you ever have much to do with Bryce Courtney in your advertising career? I remember Bryce very well. Um, he, he, actually, he gave me some very good advice uh, just after the war. No, he gave me some good advice when I was fairly new in Australia. <laughs> and, and, Which and, war? And, <laughs> uh, I, look, oh, I, he was very kind to me, so I, don't ask me to tell you what I think of his books. But he, he knew his way around an advertising agency, that's for sure. Well, I'll, uh, we'll touch on him in a little later when we have a, a brief musical interlude because it's a strange Australian musical factoid that involves the advertising fellow, Bryce right. Courtney. Oh, right. So we'll get to that shortly. Intriguing. Uh, but first, look, I, I, Tim, I, th- I think we've got to start in the United States. A momentous week there. This was not foreseen by a lot of people. A lot of people known as Joe Biden and and uh, Kamala Harris especially. Mm. Massive amount of uh, elections across the US, uh, things like uh, uh, Virginia and New Jersey elected, uh, had uh, gubernatorial elections <laughs> where they elect a new goober, as goober. I understand it. That's a lovely word. And there were school board elections as well. And these are tied together because in Virginia and, and New Jersey and places beyond, in, in places like Minnesota, uh, school boards have become a red-hot, issue among voters. A lot of people suspect that this is because under lockdown, under COVID lockdown, parents have become aware during homeschooling of the curriculum that their children are being, <laughs> have been following. They are not happy about they this. They wouldn't be keen. No, no, they're discovering a great deal about critical race theory yeah. and various other things that are being taught in schools. So school board meetings have become a staple of YouTube in recent months in the US. And it's furious parents taking to the school boards. It, these are fantastic meetings. There's one brilliant bit of YouTube footage featuring a former Miss California, who's now a mother of two, I think. And she's addressing the school board and she's picking them off by name and when they're up for re-election. You know, <laughs> Sarah, you're up in 2022. Tom, you're up in 23. You know, she knows when they're up, up for re-election. <laughs> and she's vowing to run them out of public life. And that anger is, in, is, uh, is supported by a great many people. And a lot of people believe, and I think they're onto something, that this is why Virginia has a new governor. Uh, a chap who's never run for office before, mm. a businessman, um, who p- tipped five and a half million into his campaign. Mm. Virginia being, of course, a very Democrat state. He's the first Republican governor in, I think, 12 years. And we also have in New Jersey the, the most beautiful story of all. 
they've got a new uh, Senate leader. It's a truck driver named Ed. Ed Durr, who tipped the massive sum of $153 into the, his, his initial campaign. Love it. And he's cleaned up a guy who has um, been in that chair longer than anyone in mm. state history. That guy was widely tipped to be the next governor. Mm. He's gone. On, on, on latest counting, I must stress, because it seems uh, things to be the, can turn the around. Americans right now, uh, it's a very simple process. They'll just vote for the one that's not mad. Yes, and in, in, in the New Jersey case, Ed simply walked from house to house saying, you sick of lock- lockdowns? you had enough of that crap? And the driver's gone, yeah, I'm kind of with you, Ed. And um, <laughs> it looks, you know, barring any dirty tricks, not that that would ever happen in the US. No, in a Democrat clean state. Clean as a whistle, US election. It would be interesting to see if um, if this is the thin end of a bigger wedge. If the, you know, if the if education is ends up being kind of a, the Dems' Achilles' heel, because you know, you know, if people are getting very concerned now because they're seeing for the first time what's being taught to their their, their kids, and obviously, you know, it's not just what. It's not just what's being taught during lockdown. It was, you know, the back in school, that terrible incident of the assault of the, the sexual assault of the girl uh, at her school in the bathrooms by a trans student or the alleged, sorry, the alleged assault. Mm. And then the, the, way, the mm. way the parent of that girl was treated by the school board. But if, there, if, there's, a, if there's a perception amongst middle America that, that the, 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 where they send their children every day is not a safe place, and it's thanks to, if you like, woke woke values. You know, is that gonna will that will that will that funnel up into um, academe generally? You know, I don't know, but um, be interesting. It would be ironic if education. No, you're right, Simon. It it, it is. Yeah. Absolutely, it would be interesting, and 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 uh, it's an area education. As with Labor in Australia, the Democrats have generally uh, been perceived as stronger on it mainly because they've got the support of teachers' unions and they just spend more money. Um, so it would be intriguing if, uh, if the advantage now crosses over to Republicans yeah. based on what, uh, what a lot of people dismissively say is a cultural culture war issue. It's not. It's plainly a solid issue involving uh, the destiny of children under the control of these wayward woke educators. I think it's. I think it's. Yeah. I think it's, a, it's. It's. It's an indication that we're that the debate itself is maturing. Is that we're we're moving away from terms like culture war, and we're starting to include terms like common sense. You know, <laughs> common sense. Yeah, common sense. You'd really don't want. It, common sense has been so unfashionable in politics for so many years now. It's good to see it coming back. I think. It really could good. catch on this common sense. Common sense, yeah. You know, yeah. Common wisdom. I, I, I'm really encouraged, excited, um, thrilled with the way this let let's go Brandon meme is taking <laughs> off. Oh here. yeah, you spotted it first here. <laughs> it's nice. I mean, there's so much to like about it, right? Yeah. It, 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 I, I love the way it's winding up. The woke. Oh yeah, they hate it. It's they so hate disrespectful. It. They can't stand it. And, oh, awful, and awful, just, vulgar behaviour. It just goes to show, you know, we've tried all all we have, all the weapons we have against their armoury. We've tried countering their rubbish with facts. Mm. That'll only take you so far. Yeah, we've tried, tried exposing the internal contradictions in mm. their own arguments. Uh, uh, we've we've uh, we've we've tried exposing their hypocrisy. Mm. It just bounces off the armour. Mm. But now we've found the thing that gets through humour. 
They can't stand it. Tyrants hate humour. They can't answer it. They don't have senses of humour. Sorry, that's Simon, right. But ahead, isn't mate. it isn't it also interesting that uh, that the most you know one of the most uh, visible uh, uh, manifestations of this movement is is amongst college students at college sports occasions. This is where it first uh, you know got really noticed in a, in a big way that it's 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 university undergraduates uh, who are who started mm. doing this in. in a, so yeah, maybe 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 there are signs that um, that uh, the, the work values that have dominated every every level of, of education uh, are under threat here. Now they're calling it. I think the, uh, somebody from CNN, I think it was, tweeted that this was the MAGA version of Zeke Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go, Brandon. Let's go, Brandon. The it's MAGA the most, version of Zeke Kyle. It, the great thing is that. You know, the original chant was F. Joe Biden. Yeah. Now, that was going to fade away anyway because summer sports end and yeah. big crowds yeah. stop. And also, you can't say it in polite company. No. We couldn't say it on this podcast. For no, no. But now, the Brandon thing can be said in church. Whichever side of the, the divide you're on, you know when someone starts uh, calling on, uh, you know, National Socialism and Nazism as part of their argument, you know, you know they're flailing. <laughs> you know, you know they've run out mm, of they've, exactly. they've run out of an argument. I'm not yeah. sure that anyone named Brandon was uh, fitted up at the um, at the Nuremberg trials. Would have been an unusual Are you name. You sure? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's really Brandon Himmler. Yeah. You know, it's... but you, you you pointed out too that L, LGB as it's now known. Let's go, Brandon. I like yes, that. Yes, it's the LGB community, <laughs> and and one of my readers extended it to LGB. TIQ, which is let's get Brandon to quit, to quit, or QI, I think, LGBT. Yeah, let's get Biden to quit immediately. So it's a, it's a broad based movement. I think we've got a song. We have got a song. We've got a song teed Can up, I, I think. LGB. 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 They say LGB everywhere. I go LGB. What it means? I don't know. LGB. Whatever it is. LGB. Kamala, help me, please, please. Alrighty then. LGB. That let's go, Brandon. Right? LGB. This means let's go, Brandon. No. LGB. Sounds like let's go, Brandon. I guess. LGB. All right. Let's go, Brandon. I am Cornelio. Chant. LGB. Right wing and left wing. LGB. Go, you know the thing. LGB. If you don't sing, get back. LGB. And you play black. LGB. Let's go, Brandon. LGB. Let's go, Brandon. LGB. <laughs> Let's go, Brandon. FJB. Let's go, Brandon. I'm Joe Biden, and I forgot this message. So, with the Australian connection, Tim, you uh, explain. I'm just looking up the lyrics. Elucidate. Yes. Just looking up the lyrics here. I might have got the wrong wrong uh, ACDC song but in one ACDC tune 
Bon Scott, who wrote the, wrote the songs back in the day, included a line about, I'm bad and mean and mighty unclean, <laughs> which he's borrowed from the Mortine ad, which was, I think, a Bryce Courtney campaign. Ah, it was. It, 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 ah. it, it, it definitely so, was a Bryce Courtney. No, no, here it was. It, it, is, it, it is in TNT. It's in that song. I'm dirty, mean, and mighty unclean. So there's people on, online have mentioned, um, does Bryce Courtney get a co-writing credit on TNT? don't think he does, but uh, it would be a good combination. Bryce and uh, Bon Scott combining to write one of the most powerful rock anthems of all time. Sounds like we're in a copyright nightmare for having played yes. that. <laughs> I, 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 always, I always thought Mortine missed a trick during the Iraq war. Big big brands are always looking for opportunities for product placement and brand placement. I always thought they could have, uh, they could have owned the, um, that uh, northern Iraq was declared a no-fly zone. I thought they could have owned that as, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I do feel sorry for, uh, for Biden now, that, you know, falling asleep during a very important speech. I felt sorry for him. Because at the end of the day, what he was doing there, he was actually just mm. sustaining a fantastic Democrat tradition there, which was started when Martin Luther King said, I have a dream. You know, he was just, you know, he was doing it. He was... He was dreaming, literally <laughs> dreaming. Well, if you feel if you feel sorry for him, Simon, at the summit, you're really going to be devastated when you find out what happened at the Vatican. Go on. No, I'm not going to go any further than that. People can look it up. A lot of people will already know what I'm talking about. It's, There's our homework it's, for the week. It's a, uh, it's a popular rumour among certain circles. I don't think that it's true because it's too... I know what it is, but I want you to... I know what it, I know what it is, but I want you to say it. <laughs> <laughs> no. The LGB uh, Let's Go Brandon, it's a double dig, isn't it? It's a yeah. dig, obviously, against a decrepit and a hopeless, uh, apparently, president. But mm. it's also a real attack on the mainstream media. Yes. And and that's what I found delicious about it. But it, this is happening in, in Australia, too. I think during yep. COVID, uh, trust in the mainstream media, which is already declining, has just, just gone even further because mm. people just don't feel they've been getting the truth on mainstream media and, and I was struck last weekend the protests last weekend in mm. Melbourne against Dan Andrews heavy handedness got uh, next to no coverage on mainstream media yep. what, what, what there was was pretty sneering but uh, I was sent um, a YouTube video by an ambulance driver uh, and it pulled me up sharp there's a former senior constable mm. addressing the crowd uh, taking a principled stand about why he left the force. Uh, and at the five-minute mark on this video, he turns around and he addresses his colleagues in uniform or his former colleagues who mm. were there on the edge of the protest. And he says, you know this is nonsense. You've known for two years this is nonsense. You can either go down in history as the private army of a madman or you can go down in history as the people's protectors who stood up to this tyranny. It, 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 alarming scene. A, yeah. a, 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 a senior police officer resigned in protest urging his former colleagues to defect it's it's like it's like warsaw 1988 it's extraordinary yeah but no coverage on the mainstream media none this is why people are turning to podcasts mm. but of course enormous coverage of of and quite and actually quite rightly so enormous coverage of a, a, a police action which actually is what police are supposed to do the tremendous uh, result of the West Australian police investigation into the abduction of that little girl and the brilliant uh, and the brilliant Absolutely. outcome. The police chief 
chief in WA made a very dignified press statement when, uh, during which he said, this is what we became police for. There should have been a mm. wake-up call there. It's a, a brilliant. He, he was absolutely right. He what was, a contrast. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Contrast with Dan Protecting a, a child, finding a villain, uh, going about it methodically, using the resources that the, the taxpayer funds in exactly the right way, as opposed to what's happening in Victoria. We'd much prefer police were finding lost kiddies and yeah. shooting plastic bullets. Here's an interesting and horrifying number that emerged from, from that, the case of Cleo Smith. The persistence of the police was probably the yeah. most impressive aspect yeah. of their work because, uh, as, as one criminologist pointed out during the week, the majority of child abduction cases, uh, the kid ends up dead within three hours. Mm. Mm. Tragic. Which is terrifying. They stuck at it for eighteen yeah, days. Yeah, it reminded me of those. Uh, it reminded me of those equally impressive st- stories about you know when when you know if there's a, a you know a terrible earthquake stories you know a week and a half after everyone's given up hope somebody's found alive and it's uh, it's it's very inspiring story. But very rare because for the simple fact that a building coming down on top of you. Mm. Your chances of surviving for five seconds are pretty slim. Yeah, yeah. The first, uh, the first five seconds are the tough, tough bits. Yes. If you can, if you can duke it out through them, you might have half a chance. Yeah. But just go back to the media. I mean, I think because the other thing that happened this week was the departure of Alan Jones from Sky News. Now I don't know the full details here, but I, I recorded a podcast with Alan about a month ago, and he had no. <coughs> You know, I asked him about retirement. He said, no, he's not going to retire. He's, he's going to carry on till he's got no breath left in him. Uh, so he wasn't planning on retiring. I think this yeah. was an a unplanned departure. But things were getting tough for him at Sky News. He, he was increasingly censored, I suppose. There's no other word, is it, Tim? Well, he was, um, was marginalised in large part, I understand, uh, due to commercial considerations. They yeah. couldn't promote him on um, online because... Uh, a very highly organised and apparently successful pressure group uh, would mobilise against advertisers. Advertisers would cave, uh, even though they must by now be aware that this pressure group is advocating on, on the behalf of a tiny number of people, none of whom watch or listen to Alan Jones. <laughs> you know, that, that, that's, that's the most perverse thing about the hatred of Jones, is that it's all from people who don't pay any attention to him, who don't listen to the show, don't tune in. They don't want other people to hear Helen jokes. That's mm. the worst aspect of it for me. Yeah, but Tim, I know people who who dismiss your criticism of Q and A for exactly the same reason. <laughs> this is true, but um, unlike Alan Jones, we pay that's, for Q and A. That's, that's so uh, that, we can um, we point. can we can point at the at the lack of viewership of Q and A as um, as a defence of our position rather than uh, an irrelevance in the case of, as it is in the case yeah, of Alan Jones. Well, I'm a fan. Uh, I've, Alan and I have been through a few scrapes together, uh, including a $7 million defamation <laughs> suit in the Supreme <laughs> oh, Court. Oh, that, that old thing. So. He, he's a one-off. Um, he stood up for good conservative values and the little people. He always stood up for the little people. Yeah. Uh, that was the, the good thing. But I don't think we've seen the last of him. Uh, I, I think this, the thing is, in this day and age, you don't need... Um, you don't need a network, do you? If you're as big as Alan Jones, you don't need a network anymore. I would uh, anticipate Jones um, as a single entity on any 
online medium being massively successful mm. and bringing advertisers with him. I've got to say, I mean, I know you guys don't care about it, but um, as, a, as a rugby union uh, tragic, I'm, I'm glad to see today there was another great piece by him in The Australian about the Wallabies prospects. I think, he's a very, I think he is a voice of common sense in that admittedly small and exclusive uh, area, but I think he's... You know, if his if his energy and interest in 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 rugby is indication of his determination to keep interested in and comment on other issues, then I think that's he'll find he'll find a place to he'll find a place to to to, to say it. Just on legal issues, if we've ventured mm-hmm. down that path, I had a fantastic legal exchange during the week. A few a few Mondays ago, I wrote a column about Glasgow for the Daily Telegraph. And pointing out that it was a city with one or two problems, you know, rats, rubbish, mm. violence, knives, terrible, terrible troubles. And uh, the wonderful illustrator we have at the Daily Telegraph, Terry Pontikos, drew a beautiful drawing of a couple of gang rats, I guess you'd call them, <laughs> carrying knives and looking, you know, looking like trouble. And because Terry knows his, uh, his football, his soccer, he put a little Glasgow Rangers cap Ooh. on one of the rats. <laughs> Didn't think much of it. Ran the, ran the illustration. Hunky, everything's tickety-boo. Oh, no. The Glasgow Rangers found out about it. They didn't like the cartoon. And they sent a legal letter to us <laughs> demanding that we change the uh, illustration. And I thought, well, I'm pretty sure it wouldn't take too long to find somewhere some connection between the Glasgow Rangers and the odd bit of violence here or there. First story I found that came up was uh, that a, a Celtics fan had been stabbed in the face by a mystery man wearing a Rangers gear. And I'm like, well, well. <laughs> and the Rangers, Rangers supporters do have their issues over the years. There's a big, apparently anti-Catholic uh, strand in that, uh, in that club. Among the, among the supporters. Anyway, we took, we took the easiest way out. We uh, altered the cartoon. Mm. Because you know, from what I from what I'm reading, the last thing you want to do is upset a Glasgow Rangers fan because you'll get stabbed. <laughs> so we've 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 made peace with the Rangers, and I'm um, I'm now um, as a result of that deciding to take out membership of uh, their rival club uh, Celtic. So I'll, I'll I'll be doing that in due course. <laughs> so look, should we wrap up Glasgow? I know we've been we've been talking a lot about it in recent podcasts and anticipating this uh, great moment. Um, Malcolm Turnbull made an appearance, which I thought was... Yes. He went all the way to Glasgow to a climate conference to talk about nothing else but subs and the French and the Chinese. <laughs> it was, it's a perverse voyage that he took. And yeah. his motive, I think Peter Dutton said that his motivation now appears to be 100% malice and he's a very angry person. I don't think there's any disputing that. No. But you find yourself, though, when you take a set against Australia and you're on the same side as China... That's yeah. not a great look, and even just cozying up to the French. Yes, I, I think mean, I think we I think we've got to be off. start being a little bit careful about the French. Um, I think uh, Nick, you, you, oh, no, don't worry no, about no, that. Nick, Nick, <laughs> be careful Nick, for decades. Nick, we have exactly, French listeners. No, exactly. Nick, 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 Nick mentioned a couple of weeks ago that we have some French listeners. So I thought, in the spirit of Entente Cordiale, bonjour. I thought, I thought in the spirit of Entente Cordiale that this week's limerick. Uh, I've actually um, I've gone back to my um, grammar school uh, phrase book, French phrase book. 
and I've constructed the French the, the limerick this week. I'm going to do a French one first, and then I'm going to give you the um, the English translation. Is this a good time? A, a, a limerick in French, yeah. or actual, actual French. French, and then okay, go for so it. So this is so, uh, and, and I'm sure that our six, that amongst our six or seven French listeners, there'll be those who jump, who, who run to the uh, email to correct me on this. But here we go. Mm. Okay, mm. so first, first in French, de Strasbourg à Marseille à Dijon, on entend bien la rage de Macron. Viva le beau, bien sûr, mais espèce de menteur, ce serpent dans l'herbe, Morrison. Okay. <laughs> okay. Translation, please. Okay, well, first of all, I'll do the because you can't do exact translations of verse. You have to do in the spirit of. So this this is in the spirit yeah. of. Um. From Marseille to the Notre Dame spire, RPM has been labelled a liar. And now poor old ScoMo has heard even Elbow confirmed that his pants were on fire. <laughs> Very good. Whenever I hear Scott Morrison referred to as ScoMo, I think it explains his, uh, his religiosity because you'd be thanking God every day that you weren't christened Howard. <laughs> Wouldn't you? Because it would have kind of eliminated the nickname and any potential political career with that sort of cute, <laughs> cute nickname. on the podcast Johannes Leek cartoonist with the Australian one of the funniest men on the planet maybe the universe uh, Johannes welcome to the six o'clock squirrel thanks Nick good to see you good to be here you've got a hard job I, I mean it's always been a hard job a cartoonist job I think you've got to be um, uh, you know funny every day and you've got to be uh, hopefully hopefully you, you can draw too and that, that that's often takes a bit of effort but it does seem to me in, in this climate it's even harder to be a cartoonist there is a a war on humor going on as well as um you know this woke uh, movement is having a deadening effect i think on conversation more generally but cartoonists too do you feel that pressure yeah definitely definitely i mean there's uh there seems to be sort of you know uh barricades around all these different subjects these days uh, that are sort of out of bounds for cartoonists often or you feel that they're out of bounds and nothing should be out of bounds for a cartoonist but I also sometimes find that uh, it's the reading of cartoons um, that's become so literal uh, people just look at a cartoon instead of instead of viewing it simply as a cartoon as something that's there to give them a, you know, hopefully make them smile, hopefully laugh, and then move on. Um, people look at cartoons, I think, expecting to be triggered or, or you know, looking to find out how they can dis how they can possibly sort of vehemently disagree with the cartoon or vehemently agree with it. Then you're, you know, then you're terrific. But if you're not, um, you know, they can't just accept it as a passing comment 
uh, a passing humorous comment about an issue. Uh, everything these days is sort of uh, amplified to become, you know, the the, the, the trigger for a, for a, for an out for an uproar, you know, a, a Twitter a Twitter storm. Mm. So they're looking, they're looking for a fence. They're a they're they're a fence harvesting. Absolutely. In other words, mm, I think so. Yeah. Well, it's, it's yeah. Or, uh, grievance grievance harvesting as much as offence harvesting. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Yeah. It's the strange thing is, Hannes, by the way, Tim Blee here, mate. How you going? Good, Tim. One of the weirder aspects of it is that the people who were least offended by being depicted in whatever manner you choose to depict them are the people themselves. Uh, they, they, they're often the targets. Mm. Um, we'll laugh it off. I remember... Uh, your dad is the chief cartoonist for the US for a long time, drew John Howard in all manner of circumstances, and Howard never complained once. Um, they became mates, eventually. Um, but you've got a situation where the audience takes offence on behalf of those who are depicted in, in various illustrations, which is odd. What sort of responses, by the way, are you getting from some of the people you've depicted in, uh, in your artwork? Yeah, look, I think that's... And that's entirely true, what you described there. I mean, people are so keen to take offence on behalf of often the, the subjects or the, the, the people that are being targeted in a cartoon. Um, and they never stop to bother whether whether the person, the particular person's actually seen it and whether they have actually been offended. You know, everybody just decides immediately that must be offensive. And, and But even, you know, it's, it's this ridiculous sort of idea anyway. I mean... Being offensive is what cartooning is all about. Um, but there's this complete intolerance at, the, at even the notion that a cartoon could possibly offend somebody. I mean, that's what they do. Cartoons always offend mm. somebody. Um, you know, that's why it, you can call it cruel, but that's how they work. Um, well, well, that's, 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 that's kind of like the difference between... I'm, I, I'm, 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 a, I'm a very aware of the difference between... You know, we all know, you know, there are magazines like The New Yorker, which are supposed to have these incredible cartoon uh, traditions. But what you do is like, the I, I regard that as the coalface. The New Yorker cartoons, they're kind of the, that's the easy street cartooning. That's when you don't have to tie into an issue and you just make a, univer a sort of arch universal observation that isn't tied to a particular event. It's easy stuff. But what you do is the coalface to tie into an issue or a, 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 something in the news cycle, which means, you know, just as just as we respond differently to news events, you're, or, you know, the people who respond differently to cartoons, you if it's a good one, it's bound to put a few people offside. Yeah, that's right. That's right. You you inevitably uh, address an issue, uh, and and you know, unless you want to get quite abstract and and take personalities out of it, which is sometimes called for. Sometimes you can. Uh, you know, draw a cartoon where you leave the, the the literal personalities out of the cartoon and you address the issue. That's great. That can work too. But inevitably... Still won't work. Still won't work, Johannes. They'll still find something. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I tried to... I wrote a, a couple of years ago a column about trying to write an inoffensive column. It's, it's a literal impossibility. In fact, it'd be a great challenge for you to write a, a cartoon, draw a cartoon that would not offend a single person on earth. It can't be done. If you write, if you drew a piece where the message was that ice cream is nice, uh, 
Yeah. You'd have people actually, people be like, "Oh, thanks for the type two diabetes, you monster." Yeah, you, or if you just actually, get the toast or if you said something about it. Actually, exactly. Actually, 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 Tim, it would be a it would be a kind of Marcel Duchamp type opportunity to do something very dada. You could just you'd just be a blank a blank space. And it would say the cartoon that everyone loved. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but people would interpret it as a white flag of surrender in some circumstances, perhaps. <laughs> or um, they, 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 people people can find all manner of ways to be offended. It's a it's, a, it's an art form itself. But, 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 but if you think about it, the history of the history of, ca- of offensive cartooning in modern times, um, who are the people who are the people who 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 first took enormous exception to cartoons? In, in recent in recent history, well, they were extreme. There are a few chaps in uh, Paris got a bit up well, in arms over they, a bunch of cartoons. Yeah, before that, point. before that, even in, in in Denmark, you know, yeah, the fact, mm. the fact that it was extreme fundamentalist is, Islamists who took exception to were the first ones to get international acclaim for being uh, offended by cartoons were people who make it a. a, a it's a, it's a it's a bar to entry having a sense of humor into that into that religious fervor for sure for sure and and uh you know also i mean you're talking about people who uh you know they only can they only they simply take themselves so unbelievably seriously and uh you know to be a to be a fundamentalist ideologue you have to take yourself pretty serious seriously uh but these, this is, I think, what's happening. Everybody takes themselves so seriously these days and everybody's got a, uh, you know, everybody's been pigeonholed into being of this particular group or of this group and so they stick with their tribe and uh, Twitter Twitter only seems to sort of reinforce that. Uh, and I think that um, we the, the ability to laugh at a cartoon and even laugh at yourself and, think, and make it re-examine some of your, uh, you know, uh, preconceptions or or attitudes um it just seems to seems to be disappearing that ability for people to s- just just keep it in context it's a cartoon have a have a laugh even if you don't agree with it there's still something to be appreciated in a good cartoon just just in the in the craft of of the cartoon how how well the joke is yeah. put together but uh everybody just um is uh, yeah as 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 we've been saying i mean people are looking to be offended it's the it's the new uh you know, it's the new fad. You're um, you're you're kind of like, you know, I, I, don't, I hope this isn't too depressing, uh, Hans, But I think of you as kind of like you're on you're on the Maldives of art. Yeah, yeah. Which is that you know, <laughs> you're watching you're watching the the rising levels of intolerance for sure. You know, steady. You know, unlike 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 climate change, these really are rising. You know, yes. You know, yeah. levels, they really are, and you're on the, the diminishing island. The mission coral atoll of of, of of brilliant satire, and the, the waters are yeah. rising, and there's not that many of you on the island. No, it's no, and it, it does the, force. It's you a great sort of... crisis of satire change. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it it does make you. Um, yeah, I, I find myself wondering where it's all headed, and and uh, you know, you you've got a couple of options. You can sort of say this is all getting a little bit dangerous, and 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 you feel like you're, you're getting attacked more than you're being understood. Um, and and you sort of think, well, you know, here we are. I mean, I when I put my dad's, uh, you know, I, I, I put a gallery, I, I, I 
started a gallery a while back um, featuring the work by my dad and the whole idea was to get this work out there so that people can enjoy it firsthand. And, uh, and then I had my big, I had a great big, uh, you know, Twitter pylon directed at me um, and um, not, you know, I had the security people from work coming up to, to assess the situation in, in the gallery. And they said, this is, this is quite, this is a bit hairy and uh, we're, we're not entirely comfortable with you sitting here exposed behind a couple of glass, a couple of, you know, shop front windows. Um, so, you know, and, and it, it didn't really it wasn't that that made me rethink the gallery there were there were a whole lot of other things happening uh in the background you know mainly i was we were just about to have twins and and i knew that life was about to get extremely busy but at the same time i did find myself thinking that somebody like my dad who churned out wonderful work uh year in year out and then and then you know i i i felt like i was doing this mainly uh, it wasn't a money-making venture. It was about sharing the work with people who appreciated it. And then, you know, mm. you, you feel this atmosphere of this vitriolic uh, crowd out there that just are looking to uh, pull you up for, for, for committing a thought crime. And, and I just sort of thought, you know, why, why do you, why would you, um, tr you know, try and try and do the right thing and, and share the work when it, when it, you just get a you've got a feeling that there's people out there just waiting to give you a kicking at the earliest opportunity so it's it's mm. a nasty feeling but at the same time i mean uh if it if it if it ends up being um an art form that people no longer appreciate no, no longer understand well then they don't deserve it <laughs> you know i, I suppose oh, people don't really deserve these it are nasty, these, these are nasty people aren't they Johannes? i just can't i can't get into my head what sort of person would what do they do for laughs do you think <laughs> But yeah, they just agree with one another you, all the time. Yeah, but if you but well, if you want to, I don't think they're allowed to laugh. But the but the, the the glass half full of this is that if if you weren't getting the truth is if you weren't getting uh, aggressive responses from the far left from the work, you that would confirm you weren't you weren't doing a good job. I think I think your dad would be proud of the fact that you're that you're that you're stimulating that kind of response. Um, oh look, I think that's. Really I think that's. I think that's true. Actually, yeah. You, I mean, you're right. Uh, it's. It's just. I mean, Dad. Dad always had his detractors throughout his career, and well before the internet came along, he he would get hate letters all the time. Uh, but it's the. I mean, who? Once upon a time, you had to go to the trouble of writing out a, a letter by hand and sticking it in the mail. You really had mm. to hate somebody, mm. or you really had to be angry to want to do that. These days, everybody's just yeah. on Twitter all the time, so. It, the volume of, of vitriol and, and bile and so forth is just massive, and it's it's instantaneous, I suppose. But yeah, you, you, you're right. You're right. It's um, we, yeah, you, you, you've got to not be put off by it. I mean, it's it's about annoying the right people at the end of the day, isn't it? As long as you're annoying the right it people, that's a, a, it's prob you're probably and doing a pretty good job. Cartoons in the media in the modern era seems to be what the fool did in the court in the medieval era. He was the only guy in the court who was allowed to make fun of the king or the queen. Mm. Um, he never got his head cut off because he was allowed to do it because his role was to remind them of the possible excesses of what they were doing. And the, the, the modern cartoonist seems to me is what they should be doing and what they should be encouraged to do. If you know, we, I hate the cliche truth to power, but it's mm. that it's that what it, that's what it should be. Yeah. Yeah. And not not simply uh, 
towing the line when your particular publisher decides to side with the government, uh, which immediately um, means you're no longer independent. You're no longer you're no longer uh, stepping outside the realms of what that of what, of what the government or the, the publication wants you to say. I mean, you 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 become a propagandist pretty quickly. Absolutely. What did, what did you make yeah. of the loony affair, um, Johannes? Did, did you sort of feel some sympathy for the guy? Did you bring him up? And I mean, he, he seemed to take it pretty hard, didn't he? Sacked by his own newspaper. Not sacked, but... Yeah. Monday to Friday. Yeah. Um, and um, because they didn't like the tenor of his cartoons. Yeah, I mean... They also said he was no longer in touch... Mm. With their with their readership, which was I thought was an astonishing thing to say. Yeah, but the, the Age knows a lot about their readership because the number is so small; they can personally <laughs> poll them. You know, their readership is uh, is Greg and Sharon, and they live in Northcote, and, um, and they can get in touch really quickly. They could they it's it's very difficult for a paper like the Daily Telegraph or the Australian to know the overall mood of readership because there's so many of them. It's a, it's a different market. Anyway, sorry you had us. Go ahead, Ben. Yeah, well, I mean, I. I, I was pretty shocked and surprised. I mean, especially, uh, you know, I saw the cartoon and I mean, well, but I suppose once I saw it and I, you know, you, you immediately understand why. I mean, um, it, uh, it stepped outside the age's na narrative and, and, and it's the approved Daniel Andrews uh, wow. way, of, way of, you know, handling, handling the COVID-19 the, the COVID pandemic. But I mean, her, Gay Alcorn's explanation to me was also uh, alarming because she said, you know, that this wasn't, she insinuated it was an anti-vax cartoon and that he brought lots of anti-vax cartoons, uh, you know, in, to, in, to the table and, and they'd, they'd been rejected as though this was sort of self-evident that if you brought an anti-vax cartoon and it simply could not be published. Now, apart from the fact that an, he, if he happens to have anti-vax beliefs, well, it's his job, and his his little patch there. I would have thought was sacred, and he could he could he should be able to express those views. But the point was, it wasn't even an anti-vax cartoon, and I yeah. hate this word, but it was more nuanced than that. I mean, it was obvious yeah. that it was about vaccine mandates and about the the, the brute power of, of the state versus the individual. And you know, there's a, it, it opened Correct. up a discussion mm. which I think. Uh, I haven't heard really uh, something that, that I've been thinking about a lot, which is the, what, the best way to create a whole lot of anti-vaxxers or vaccine or, you know, people who are vaccine hesitant is to keep pressuring them to be vaccinated all the time, you know, very forcefully, uh, you know, pumped, pumped throughout, sort of, you know, pumped out of every media, um, you know, yeah. every sort of... Um, vehicle of the media you know i mean this is the sort of stuff that people are quite this has never happened to most people it's never happened in anybody's lifetime a situation where the world has changed so quickly so dramatically and they're being told what to do and there's no option in the matter and that alone is spooking a lot of people and pushing more and more people to the fringes and uh you know that the cartoon sort of i think was the start of a discussion about a whole lot of things like that but they just said nah it's not you know, it's 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 not our line. Off you go. And I it mean, doesn't, for a guy doesn't who's been reinforce our years, audience's view. Yeah, mm, just unbelievable. Mm. Yeah, 
Well, it's, spook, it's spooking me. It's spooking me. I think, um, and a lot of people. We saw it on the on the streets of Melbourne last weekend. These, you know, it it it's just lazy to call them anti-vaxxers. It is. You know, yeah. These are people that just just think yeah. that the state does not have any right to go that way. Yeah. It just doesn't have the right to, to tell people what they should inject into their bodies and what they shouldn't That's there's a great many people nick who are um who are vaccinated and don't agree with the compulsory aspect of vaccination it's not a difficult position to be in yeah it brings to my it brings to mind a paraphrase of that i don't know who said it but you know you, you would now say like I do, I do not agree with your decision not to have a vaccination but i would defend to my death your right to to opt out of it you know yeah yeah. Often attributed to Voltaire, but yeah, I take your point. Yeah, whatever. Vol, yeah. Vol, you know, Vol, 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 I thought it was Voltaire. That, I thought, Voltaire, I thought, Voltaire, Voltaire, that, what, I thought it was Voldemort. <laughs> no, <laughs> Voltaire, that one well-known anti-vaxxer. Uh, Hannes, look, I don't want to tell tales out of school, but surely you too. I mean, all cartoonists have to. Well, I've been an editor, and I've worked with cartoonists. Uh, They're an impossible bunch. Uh, you. you 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 must have your work kiboshed occasionally, do you? I mean, you put up something... Do you ever put up... How often, shall I say, do you put up something that the editor knocks back as, as unsuitable? And, and um, do you ever try and argue back? Look, at, I've got to be honest, Nick. It doesn't happen all that often. Uh, in, my, in my case, it just doesn't seem to happen all that often. I mean, if I know that I've got a half-baked idea... Uh, and it's not that funny and I'm not real pleased with it, I'll just be honest about that and say I need a bit more time and I'll, I'll get back to you when, when I do have something funny. And, uh, and gen so, so it, it, that tends to be uh, what, you know, what decides whether a cartoon um, goes ahead or not. It's, it's not. It tends not to be the content of the cartoon. I mean, you know, if, if, this, if, I'm off, if I might be slightly off track when it comes to choosing... The, the right story or the story of the moment, then we'll have a chat about mm. that. And, and I might be directed slightly towards, um, you know, it's, it just sort of pointed in a different direction and say, maybe you should think about this story. And I'll say, oh, well, you're right. Actually, maybe that one's, um, you know, uh, it's, it's a better better subject. But I, I, I don't, I mean, it could just be a case of, um, well, it's probably a case of, a fair amount of editorial freedom, which is great, but it, it could also be that I, you know, I'm in a happy position where I feel at home at the newspaper that I work for and I, I feel like I'm appreciated and my points of view are, are appreciated and may well be sort of in alignment often with the sentiment of the newspaper. But um, I, I also feel like, uh, you know, if I wanted to go out on a limb, um, I'd probably be trusted to do, to do that. You know, and um, so I, I thought it was to feel I, too much back uh, pushback. I thought it was fair enough. They rejected your um, 
your illustration of Simon Collins after you'd read his latest column in the Spectator. <laughs> that, that, that was a very vicious image. And I, like, and it, no, it's not more vicious than the you know, than the little dinkers he's got. I love that drawing. You rarely see a ritual disemboweling in a, in a in a mainstream newspaper cartoon. That's all. We, we, I think they were we, right we, to. We've been we've been down this cul-de-sac before, I'm afraid, on this podcast. But I, I I wanted to say that. Um, you know, I think like a lot of people who are big fans of your dad, I um, obviously, and I met your dad a few, um, uh, you know, uh, the, the first time I ever saw you, by the way, Johannes, was on your mm. father's living room wall in a beautiful, beautiful, oh, yeah. massive portrait. And that's the first time I ever saw you. And that's when mm. I realised what a, what a great painter he was anyway. Um, and, I, yeah. and I was a huge fan of his. And I, and I was, I was like everybody else, I was, I was absolutely... Terribly, mm. I was shattered by his, his early departure, uh, um, mm. and like a lot of people, I probably—I'll be honest with you now—you know—I confessed to a certain apprehension about whether you'd be able to fill his boots. But your 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 for me, it reminds me of my feeling when I when I saw Toy Story two. <laughs> I, I was just—I thought the sequel was. I thought the sequel was brilliant. You know, and um, <laughs> continue. Well, thank you. It's been terrific to have you on the six o'clock swill. Uh, we admire your work. Keep on doing what you're doing, and uh, don't let the trolls get you down. Absolutely. <laughs> Thanks very much, and likewise, gents. It's been a pleasure. Hannes Leek, one of the greatest cartoonists in Australia, indeed the world today. Uh, we've been getting a bit of feedback from listeners. It's terrific. Um, Boamond of Tripoli writes, the antidote to the project. He calls us the antidote to the project. It's actually amusing. And Media Watch, without the smugness. That's pretty good. That's high praise. I can increase the smugness if we you could want. Up the smugness? Yeah, There's yeah. a little dial there, isn't it? Yeah, exactly, yeah. Style. Uh, noodles. Why, why do people who put comments on podcasts have funny names? Noodles eight eight zero. Surely, I mean, what sort of parent would call their child that? <laughs> well, the eight eight zero family. <laughs> Love to hear an irreverent take on the news from actual newsmen, plus great guests. That's good, isn't it? Mm. This is good. I like this. This is going. I'm glad I wrote that. Well. Uh, Kobo nineteen sixty four says the perfect name. Six lots will the perfect name for this entertaining podcast of common sense and reason. As they used to say back in the day when the swill was a thing, get on the tiles. Well, that's terrific. Uh, we'd mm. love to hear your responses. We have an email address. We only have one between the three of us. Simon. <laughs> did, you, did you get anything from our, from our small but very significant French audience did it along the lines of vive le swill? Or, uh... <laughs> vive le swill. Uh, uh, yes. Uh, no, nothing, nothing, nothing from the French. But look, we have an email address, only one between the three of us, because we're not going to splash out. So, <laughs> if you if you want to send us an email, Nick at uh, radiobcc.com will reach us, and you can go to the website radiobcc.com. 
www.thebigfatpodcast.com will get you to the website where you can watch all you can see all the previous episodes all nine of them this is mm-hmm. our tenth episode double figures chaps they Pretty said we wouldn't make it <laughs> <laughs> so um what else has been happening um in the arts field simon well there was a good story this week well i, I say a good story but i thought um again it's a uh, 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 it could be, it could be the beginning of something. Um, there was a story about uh, excellent uh, one of the Australians' great uh, better better uh, uh, reviewers is Christopher Allen wrote a piece about uh, quite a brave piece actually revealing the extent of the profligacy of the um, of the of the unelected bureaucrats who 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 buy the art that is hung in our national galleries our federal well the, the National Gallery of Australia in Canberra. But I think it also has repercussions for our state, uh, their state, their state counterparts. But um, he's revealed that through, mm. I think, I think it was revealed that through a Freedom Information Act that we can see how much money has been spent on on, on, on artworks using taxpayers' money. And, and I'll give you a couple of examples of the more ludicrous ones. This was on this. This was actually covered a few a couple of months ago. There's a sculpture that got a certain amount of notoriety that was paid for. Uh, a sculpture called Oribus, O-R-O-B-O-U-S. I think that's how you pronounce it. It could be, it could be horrible, but uh, sounds sounds like a travel firm. Oribus. <laughs> yeah, how'd you get here? Oh, I took a trip on Oribus. Sounds like a coach tour to Transylvania. <laughs> the Oribus. We're on the Oribus. Well, well, the art the artist is called Lindy Lee, which, which sounds to me more like a country western singer than a sculpture. But that was they they gave her fourteen million dollars. For you remember it, a four meter high bronze of what what frankly looked like a uh, a high tech dog turd. Yes, I remember seeing this. Yeah, yeah. and then there's yeah. and then there's more, well the, the next one you won't have seen yet because it still hasn't been delivered. It was commissioned in 2019, and they paid 4.5 million US dollars uh, to a guy called Jordan Wolfson uh, for something which is I think it's titled body sculpture. Uh, and because we, because we have no one's actually seen it because it hasn't been delivered yet, you have to trust his description of it, which he gave to uh, in some some uh, some interview in the states was given, uh, and he said it it allows members this this artwork quote allows members of the audience to simulate acts of sexual violence with a car. Now, I kind really? of hope that I kind of hope that never gets delivered because I don't think I really want to see what you know, and I don't think. <laughs> I'm not sure it's a good idea for that thing ever to be finished and delivered. In fact, maybe Australian taxpayers should be prepared to pay that much money, 4.5 billion, to make sure it never gets seen here. I don't know. But um, well, yeah, I think I think I think things we'll never see is a line around the block to look at that particular artwork. But <laughs> let, let's not be narrow-minded. What sort of car are we talking about? Have, have we got a brand at least? Have we narrowed it down to a? It'd want to be a pretty fancy bit of kit, wouldn't it? You, you're saying if they were, if they, if it, Parts of a, of, a, of a classic Holden were involved. You'd forgive everything. Well, I'd at least consider the artwork. You know, if it was something something with a bit of bit of retro style to it, you, oh. wouldn't, you wouldn't write it off. Cars are becoming far too expensive luxuries to purchase. Oh, sec- no, second-hand cars. Yeah, yeah, it's just crazy. This semiconductor shortage making yeah. a shortage in new cars. Here we are, back about buses again. Yeah, that's right. But uh, <laughs> those, those poor conductors. A mate of mine <laughs> uh, just sold his. Toyota Hilux for ten thousand or more than he bought it for new a year ago. It's unreal. Um, there was a car that was launched a year or so ago called the Suzuki Jiminy, 
J-I-M-N-Y. Tiny little thing. Yeah. You know, painted metal on the interior. Anyway, the Suzuki Jimny was launched, and one of its selling points... How do you spell this, Suzuki? J-I-M-N-Y. Jimny. It's been on the market in various forms for some time. But the latest model, very cute, and they thought this is going to sell lots to, you know, young city women. Because it's cute, and it's incredibly cheap. I think the initial price was something like 23 grand. They're selling now for 50 50 grand, 40, 50 grand. You can look them up on car sales. It is, is a... Well, it's nuts. It's a crazy, and the shortage. If, and if you got one of the last eight-cylinder Commodores off the production line, you'd be oh, yeah. looking Nick, at a small put, fortune Put that in now. a vault, yeah. Nick, Nick you've, yeah. Just, you've just sold a car. Nick, you've just sold a car you love for years. What, what are you going to replace it with? <laughs> well, it's interesting. Yes, I sold it. It was a nice Audi, but it was black, and people kept reversing into it. And an uh, insurance uh, friend of mine said, let's get a white one. So I'm going to buy a white one, basically. But this week, I mean... I, Why don't you I, buy one in day glow orange? <laughs> yes, that's right. You know, buy, buy, buy the high equivalent vis. of a high-vis vest in a car. <laughs> high-vis paint. But I, um, I went to... We were going away for a week, which is why we're up through here. And um, I went to Hertz and I said I wanted a, a big car. And they've given me a Mercedes uh, Vivo, I think. It Vito? Is. Vito. Uh, it's black with shaded windows and it happens to have ACT number plates in. It's the sort of car you'd mm. see Chinese diplomats going round in. It's the sort of car you see people getting put inside of. Yeah, kiddies. And not, not coming back from. <laughs> but like when it, steady I've got to say, there was a bit off. of concern. There was a bit of concern, Simon, in the neighbourhood when this black unmarked van pulled up outside our house this afternoon. Oh, why, why, why do you people were, so, so you know, yeah but surely um, being on the central coast that would have just confirmed that you are part of the community oh look uh, look Tim's, Tim's right. dealer's arriving <laughs> no, I, I think they thought you know they always expected a, a van to turn up and it was just a matter of who was going to be inside it you know yeah. Chinese communists ISIS or, or just medical authorities yeah, or somebody coming to collect you for the squid game <laughs> yes exactly <laughs> So the Mercedes Vito. Vito, yeah. By yeah. definition, it has the power of Vito, however much power that is. It's got Not as much, much power as you'd expect a diesel to have. Sort okay. of. Well, that's all right. You know, to put your foot down, it, it thinks for about four seconds and then... <laughs> <laughs> then reluctantly complies with orders. <laughs> but no, it's, it, it, it's fine. It'll do me for the weekend. It's got a inflatable kayak and two bicycles in we're going to the country so that's our, we, our week ahead but so the weather's going to be terrible it's apparently my wife is saying she's been on the bureau of meteorology site it's going to be flannery every day it's oh, going to be really? constant flannery oh you constant don't want flannery. you don't want flannery uh when you're when but you've got a kayak so a in kayak, a sense yeah. you've you're flannery proof <laughs> yeah. yeah can we uh can we can we can we talk at some point about um um the, the possible implications of the Commonwealth, uh, CBA, Commonwealth Bank's decision to recognise uh, cryptocurrencies and, and to make it uh, provide a service for their customers to use them. And the fact that the, the other banks have made it quite clear they will not be following suit. Um, I don't know mm. about you guys, but every now and then I, I don't know anything about cryptocurrencies, but every now and then I, I get scared that I should be doing it and I, and I haven't been doing it. So I, mm. I even asked my accountant and he... He just hasn't returned my calls as usual because he knows there's no money in it uh, for me answering my calls basically. <laughs> but uh, but um, well, I have I, a, I have a Bitcoin account. I've had it for some some time. Um, just and, one. Yeah. A Bitcoin. Uh, I don't even have it. No, I don't. 
I'm not that rich. <laughs> you know, a whole Bitcoin You've is got a share in a Bitcoin. Hundreds like, of thousands like of dollars. People used to buy racehorses and they'd have a syndicate. <laughs> yeah. And now there are Bitcoin syndicates where you, uh, you go it, in with a half a dozen mates. <laughs> it's a it is handy. I found uh, it, it's handy for, for you can make transactions with it. Um, where you can't in other circumstances. Really? But, 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 uh, but it, was, it was good. We were in Argentina uh, three years ago, and uh, you go to the ATM in the Argentinian banks, you're only allowed to get out $100 at a mm. time, and, and $30 of that is commission. So you go, this good is Lord. a rip-off. And, yeah. uh, but by buying Bitcoin, you can then go to a Bitcoin office in Buenos Aires, mm. you make the transaction, and they give you Buenos Aires huh. pesos from Bitcoin. But, 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 it's but, quite but, useful, yeah. Hey, there's a new word. What? We've been at a tipping point since probably the early 90s. There's always these climate tipping points yeah. coming up. In fact, it's, not, it's the work of a moment to find references to climate tipping points for every year that Greta Thunberg has been alive. <laughs> and then in... Uh, it, but it never, there was never a point at which we tipped. It kind of diminished the power of the phrase tipping point. So yeah. Joe Biden in Glasgow... He referred to an inflection point. A uh, fl- inflection point. Ah, see, now it's getting serious. Yeah, yeah. It's not just or, these, you or, know... Or, or, or they, we, or they could know, have... We sceptics can laugh off a tipping point. That sounds well, to me they, like a lot of... Net zero by 2050, blah, blah, blah. Maybe they should... Maybe they should... They could, be, they could hedge their bets even more carefully by calling it... Oh, we're reaching a tilting point. It's a tilting point. Ooh, tilting that's, point. That, that's worth a Google search. Yeah. About a teetering point. Teetering point. A teetering point, yeah. Well, I think Joe spends a lot of time at a tipping point. He, he tipped over when he tried to climb up his stairway to, the, to Air Force One that time. What are they going to do with that man? Well, here's, the, here's their trap. Let's say they say, right, Joe, it's up. You know, you're a gibbering lunatic. Everyone knows it. Everyone calls you Brandon. They get rid of him and look who steps up. Kamala Harris is even less liked than, than even Joe. Even more unpopular. So what do you do? They're cornered. They've built themselves a woke trap. They're in a, they're in a spot of bother, the Democrats, aren't they? It looks like uh, hmm. Americans are just not buying. Well, it's just I can't believe that he's squandered this record number of votes that were all <laughs> legitimately cast and counted. 81 million. More than anybody ever in the history of the Republic. What? All those people must be so very disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> well, chaps, I feel we're coming to the end of uh, another uh, episode of the Six Lots Swill. I think it's going pr- quite well. Uh, this, uh, well, I'm enjoying mm. it. I think Simon's enjoying it. You're enjoying it, Tim. It's we'll all good. Going, We've got we? ribs to eat. I can smell them burning away there. Sorry, Simon. You, uh, I don't know what you're having down there in Sydney, but uh, we've got ribs up here. You bastards. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note... Thanks for tuning in to the Six O'Clock Squill and join us next week for another hour of penetrating analysis of all the news that's fit to pillory with me, Nick Cater, Simon Collins and Tim Blair. People gonna stand soon after they fall People gonna hear the call People see the day through the dark of the night People gonna make it right Sometimes I'm weak, sometimes I'm strong Sometimes I can't shake 
Through the dark of the night People 